Welcome to the Talking Anime and Manga podcast, a place for discussing all things anime and manga. This is episode 3 of my Why I Love series. It's been a while since I've made one of these. My life has been super busy, and that means the amount of manga and anime that I've been consuming has been greatly reduced. The series that I keep up with, and those that I choose to make time for, has been cut down a lot. I had decided only to make time for the best of what I was reading and watching, the stories that I was already deeply invested in, and then just the most gripping of the new bunch. So amongst that list, there were some manga that I'm too deep in to stop, like One Piece, uh, and stories that I rate amongst my top picks like One Punch Man, which will no doubt have a video of its own one day. Among these series that I'm still making time for is one story that I really didn't expect would find its way into a video. Something that I picked up on a whim one afternoon, expecting just to read a chapter or two and be done with. And then here I am, months and multiple rereads later, eagerly awaiting each new chapter, with the story and the characters constantly on my mind. Welcome to episode 3 of my Why I Love series, where I dissect both the shallow and deep reasons for why I love certain anime and manga. The series that I'm going to be discussing today has become a favourite of mine in 2020. It's really fun, uh, and I give it my fullest recommendation. This story that's captured me in 2020 is Miruko-chan, a story that follows our young female protagonist who one day awakens a very unfortunate gift, the ability to see ghosts. For lack of a better term, I'm going to use ghosts uh, a lot in this video, but these aren't some fun little caspers or benevolent guardian angels that she's seeing. These are some freaky ass Junji Ito brought to another world walking horror shows. They are terrifying. Magnificently drawn, but terrifying, uh, and they really bring the experience to life. There is a certain Japanese folklore regarding ghosts or demons or whatever you want to call them, where if they notice that you can see them, they will kill you, uh, eat you, do whatever they want to you. So in this story, our protagonist settles on the strategy of pretending that they don't exist in order to survive, which is no easy task given the absolute horror show that these ghosts present coupled with their incessant attempts to get a reaction out of her. Before we carry on, I want to zoom out a little bit. I've never enjoyed horror before, never found creepypasta or horror manga to be particularly fun. I always just felt... nothing. So why here? Why now? Why with this story? Why am I so engrossed and why do I love it so much? Those are really the questions I set out to explore and I believe I found the answers. If you listen through this and have your own thoughts, agreements, or reasons for why you love this series, drop it as a comment. I genuinely enjoy reading other people's perspectives on stories that I've enjoyed, and I'm sure others will as well. So let's dive back into it. The initial tone for this story gets set very quickly, and it's quite an interesting one. Miyaruko-chan starts off and carries on being, at least on its surface, something that can be described as horror fluff. Now if you've seen my initial video on this channel about Hige Wosoru, you might have noticed my penchant for fluff stories that are mixed with darker, seemingly contrary themes, and Miyaruko fits right into this category. The story follows her as she lives her life, hanging out with her best friend, being in high school with all the things that that entails, all while constantly contrasting this everyday high school life with the very much not normal festival of horrors that plagues her day and night. 
We follow our poor protagonist as she attempts to live her life as normally as she can, while constantly being followed, plagued, and jump-scared by these creepy-ass beings. Miyaruko is constantly confused, terrified, and straight-up brought to tears by these ghosts, all while desperately attempting to not let them know that she can see them. All while the rest of the events in her life unfold in a happy-go-lucky, slice-of-life manner. I initially thought this presentation of the conflicting, contrasting life was good just for like a comedic effect. It was kind of funny, and a very interesting premise for a story. But as the story unfolded more, as more and more characters were introduced, and as we got to experience the world through Miyaruko's perspective, I realized that the ideas and emotions that the story could explore, and how it could explore them, well, there was just so much potential, uh, and that got me really, really excited to see how the author Tomoki Izumi would bring this potential to life. And then here I am, having just finished chapter 27, and I am so, so happy with how it's unfolded. There were multiple directions that Tomoki could have taken this story, but I think they identified a clear strength in their writing, and the results of them leaning into this are fantastic. I think that Miyaruko-chan has a real core strength to its storytelling. And then there's also just a bunch of things that this story does really, really well. So let's dive into the first, and then into the second. Every great story is great because it leans into its selling point, into its strengths. Stories can lean into world building, animation and composition, characters, plot, or really any number of other foundational pillars. Any of these can be chosen to be central and used to propel the story to great heights. And stories can do any of these things through the perspective of many, the perspective of a few, or the perspective of one. Miyaruko-chan is a story of one. It's a story where we know the world as she knows it. We know the characters as she knows them, and we know what she knows and not more. What surprises Miyaruko surprises us. What intrigues her intrigues us, and what she's hopeful, joyful, and fearful of, so are we. And it's this final point that, to me, is the real strength of Miyaruko-chan. We don't just know what she knows and see what she sees. We, the reader, begin to feel what she feels, think how she thinks, and want what she wants, because we are in this world only so much as she is. While the story obviously isn't exclusively told from a first-person view, what is important is that the story shows we, the readers, the consequential events and information of the world through Miyaruko's perspective. When it comes to knowledge of the surreal world that she's awakened to, we're in the same boat as her. The only time that there's any world-building or events that are known to us, but not to the protagonist, they are either totally inconsequential and serve a purpose with a secondary character, or they are discovered by Miyaruko very shortly after. Of course, every story wants us to relate to its characters and connect with their emotions. But when we see the world from many perspectives, when we're more of an observant deity with more information and insight than the character, we can't help but be disconnected. Miyaruko-chan avoids this through its story of one perspective. It avoids displaying the story in a way that would make us feel disconnected. Not only do we get to see the world as Miyaruko does, but we also get her inner thoughts at all times, coupled with constant visual imagery of her face drawn with an art style that 
succeeds in portraying her every emotion. All of this serves the function of building our connection to the protagonists and raising our empathy towards them. A clear example of this happening is whenever Miyaruko meets another person who can see the menagerie of horrors around them. We get to experience the same confusion, curiosity, and wondering as Miyaruko, since we are not privy to any more of the information than she is, and this is always coupled with the presentation of her thoughts and a visualization of her emotions. What this does is each instance similar to this in the manga, and there are many, slowly bridges the gap between the character's thoughts and our own, the character's emotions and our own, and it serves as a way of essentially combining the world and mind of the reader with the world and mind of the character. The way that Miyaruko-chan executes this attempt at building empathy through its storytelling is massively successful. This is really Tomoki Izumi's strength in storytelling. Every single event, panel, thought, and character all serve this goal of building our connection to Miyaruko. The constant flood of her inner thoughts and emotions don't just put us inside of her head, it gets her inside of ours. From the storytelling perspective, this is the strength of Miyaruko-chan, and to me I believe it's clear. Through only a couple dozen chapters, this manga has connected me to the protagonist incredibly well. The empathy for her horror show of a life, the empathy for her confusion, curiosity, and terror, and the empathetic resonance with her pure desire to just live a normal bloody life. It's strong, man. So my hat's off to you, Izumi. You've done such a great job of turning a Twitter one-shot into so much more. All of this is what I believe is the first major reason for why I fell in love with the series. Its method of storytelling is fantastic at roping you in and getting you invested quickly. The story doesn't present characters just to show you what's happening. Every interaction that characters have, and every scene that is portrayed, is made in an attempt to create a deeper level of connection with our protagonist. With this dissection of the main strength of the storytelling aspect complete, now I want to just dive into a bunch of things about the story itself that I think are awesome and all contribute heavily to my enjoyment. I think the first thing I'll mention is the successful ways that the story normalizes our MC. Whenever a story is dealing with events that are highly supernatural, it can be really easy for readers to begin to feel disconnected and unimmersed. If this disconnection to the characters happens, so follows a disconnect to the story, and so follows a dropping of the story. So in order to avoid this, protagonists who are in any supernatural setting need to be normalized, or made relatable in as many other ways as possible, so that no matter how wacky the freak show gets, we still have a grounding point for immersion. I think that the way that the Miyaruko-chan manga manages to do this are really really good. It gets it done through multiple single panel shots throughout the manga in ways that are both funny and highly effective. Take for example the wrestler Anaconda Anaguma, truly a man amongst men. Miyaruko is seen as having a pretty keen interest in the wrestling fandom in chapter 5, and then eventually is seen meeting her hero in chapter 12, and she's clearly stoked. Simple things like this display our protagonist as just a normal person, someone who has their own unique and humorously juxtaposed to their appearance hobbies, someone who just like you wants to watch the shows they enjoy and be a normal human being, contrary to all of the other events ongoing in their life that paint them as very much not normal. Things like this might seem insignificant, 
but I think are really important and in this story executed very well. The second thing I want to touch on is just the entirety of chapter 9, Pudding. This single short chapter manages to squeeze out three big successes. First, we get the continued development of the intertwining of ours and Miyaruko's thoughts through her inner monologues about her thoughts on her abilities and the desire for it to just end. Second, we get further normalization through her interaction with her family. And third, somehow we get a manga that had only had nine chapters, making me unfairly emotional at the end reveal of her dad being a ghost the entire time. I think for that last point, I just have to credit the storytelling method that I spent the first half of the video drooling on about. Within nine chapters, it had managed to instill itself enough of a connection between myself and the MC that really short chapters like these were already capable of pulling out strong emotions. Something else that's pretty cool is the gradually expanding world that Miyaruko finds herself seeing. From the ghosts eating ghosts in the wall to the ghosts that hunt and kill each other, bit by bit the lore and potential of this world is being built. Uh, and my curiosity is just being built more and more, so I'm super keen to see how it all unfolds. Speaking of unfolding, and uh, how's this for a segue, our young protagonist also has a lot of room to unfold or grow, so to speak, in the future. We can clearly see the character of Miyaruko being built more and evolving through the story. Who she is, is expanding, and how she acts in the world is bound to change. In chapter 22, we see her first willing confrontation with a ghost and the sacrifice of her final lifeline with the shrine maiden ghosts. And this is all for the sake of someone else. It's a culmination of her reflection on her relationship with Hana, the things that one would do for the other, and then expanding those ideas to the people around her. We will clearly see Miyaruko grow and develop more as a character, and I am 100% in for wherever that journey takes me, and I'm certain that it's going to be a big focus going forward. Finally, to cap things off, I wanted to just mention some of the little things about this manga that I really enjoyed. The art is obviously a great point, the uniqueness of the ghouls and their detail is really cool. For example, in chapter 15, we see a ghost in the dressing room who had like a caved in head, a ring neck, bruised legs, all possibly and probably from a bike crash. Um, we see this numerous times. The level of detail in a bunch of ghosts is just really, really good. And the emotional detail expressed through the faces of the characters is excellent. I also really like the funny interactions between Hana and Miyaruko when they're both engaged in the same activity but from two very different perspectives. It's actually just legit good comedy. Also speaking of comedy, so many of Julia's little visualizations of how she sees Miyaruko and Hana compared to reality are just nuggets of comedy gold. This story, despite its short life thus far, has and is accomplishing a lot. It's evolving its characters, it's expanding its world, and building a huge amount of curiosity inside of me as the reader. The comedy is good, the art is awesome, the way it develops connections between the characters and the readers is highly effective, and almost literally everything about this series is just super likeable. I'm very happy that I stumbled upon this series, and if you haven't started reading it yet, I thoroughly recommend it. I think, for now, that's probably all I have to say on it. So if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. 
If you have your own thoughts on Miyaruko-chan, I'd actually love to read them. If you have any other feedback on this video, let me know. Drop a follow if you're interested in my future content. As this is essentially a brand new channel, this is only my third upload, uh, and it's a video about a fairly unknown series. The only way that this will ever be seen by other people is if listeners like you share it. So if you have a community group or a friend that you might think could enjoy this, consider a share. I would really, really appreciate it. And so to wrap it up, wherever you are, enjoy your days, enjoy your nights. I'm heading off and hopefully I'll see you all again. Bye.